Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is writer-director Jesse Noah Klein, and we're going to be discussing his brand new film, Like a House on Fire. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. This is a real fascinating film. There's a lot of layers to it, and I always, always like movies with a lot of layers to it. So our guests uh, know a little bit about the film. Why don't you give us the synopsis of the of A House Like F- on Fire? Sure, yeah. Um, so the film centers around a character named Dara, and Dara comes back after a two-year absence to reconnect with her family. And she discovers that her husband is with a woman who is now seven months pregnant, and her four-year-old daughter does not remember her. So it is about how she tries to reintegrate into this family that's left her behind. Very fascinating topic. Um, so interesting, because uh, what I liked about it, well, first of all, you don't have many stories about mothers leaving their children. And so it was kind of interesting that she made that choice uh, to leave her child at a very young age, actually. Um, So talk me a little bit about why you chose to have the protagonist be a a woman and um, and, and exactly that kind of situation, leaving uh, her child at a young age. Mm, Sure. Um, You know, well, I I came to the story uh, in a number of different ways. The first being that I myself, um, you know, moved away from home, as most people do. And so I was living in the U.S. for six years. uh, And as I started to develop this project, you know, this is one of the things that kind of drew me back to to Canada and to Montreal specifically. And so definitely, you know, this theme of coming home was was never far away. And, you know, definitely, of course, at the center of, of this narrative and and the other way is you know just the the way that this project began what has always been it, it, it's beating hard and its center was was the protagonist Dara and so you know the story really began with the character and and came out from there and developed through what I believe she would be going through you know if she were to come home so you know that was really it was more the the story came from the character rather than vice versa. And, you know, to your point, uh, you know, it definitely was on my mind as I was thinking about it, as I was writing it, that this isn't a story that we see very often. And, you know, I think it's one that, you know, obviously, hopefully, really deserves our time. And, you know, that's, that's where I began. Well, it, you know, it does. And, and, and again, I, I don't think it's... I think what we're seeing more and more, you know, that it's not a uh, a unique situation as much. I mean, we used to be, you know, God forbid that the mother left their children, but um, it's becoming more prevalent today as fathers, I guess, get more involved mm-hmm. in the caretaking of the children and why the mothers decide uh, to let the father raise the children, uh, you know, is unique to everyone, I suppose, you know, every situation. But mm-hmm. um, this certainly is unique. So, I... I'm fa- the the title of the film. Tell me a little bit about the title of the mm-hmm. film. How did that come about, and and what's the significance of that of uh, of the title? Sure, uh, it, <clears throat> I, I didn't have it right away. It definitely kind of came about as I was writing the the screenplay, as I moved from draft to draft. And you know, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the expression. So you know, for two people to get along like a house on fire. 
so it felt like that was kind of where I began with my attraction to the title. But of course, there's this underlying irony, which is that these people, uh, you know, there's a lot of different characters in the film, and all of these people have somewhat strained relationships with one another, uh, so they're not exactly getting along like a house on fire. Uh, and then furthermore, yeah, I mean, you know, just no matter what shape it's in, be it the family or the home, that's where we, you know, that's that's where families are made, in a home. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to just turn that idea on its head um, by having all of, yeah, having all those emotions all wrapped up in the title. Oh, excellent. I, 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 I really like the title, and but I was curious as to why you uh, chose that as your title. So this is your second sure. feature so that you've directed. Um, how, so how long did it take you to uh, write this and then get it produced? You know, we were working on it. Um, it's funny, like, there's no... Uh, you never know how long it's going to take to get a movie made. Right. And just because you make one quickly at one point doesn't mean the next one's going to be fast afterwards. There's just so like, there's just so many factors and there's a lot of luck involved and, you know, the wind kind of blowing in the right direction. So for this one, it actually didn't take a hugely long time. It was, you know, I think of when I started writing it probably in 2015 and we shot the film in the summer of 2019. So Considering it can often take well over five years to get a movie made, that's why it didn't feel like it took a, an exorbitant amount of time. But that said, you know, there was years of writing, years of collaboration with the producers on on the screenplay to get it to where it needed to be. And then, you know, then you start going out to cast and getting everything together. So it was, yeah, I, I started writing it in 2015, and now the movie comes out in, in 2021. So you did this pre-pandemic, obviously, so that's great that you were able to do that uh, before we all went into lockdown. Tell me about the casting. Yeah. Um, Sarah Sutherland plays the main character of Dara, and um, and her husband is Jared Abramson. Talk a little bit about how you cast both of these um, actors in, in the roles and uh, what that process was like. You know, I think they're actually kind of a bit similar in a way, because I think for both actors that they were looking for a role that was somewhat of a departure from what they had done just before. And for Sarah, you know, she'd been on Veep for seven years. And, you know, I personally love the show. I think it's it's brilliant. But, you know, and I think she had a great experience on it. I think that goes without saying almost. But I, I, you know, from what I understand, from what she told me, she definitely, you know, this was a very different opportunity where she could kind of stretch herself in a, in a different way. And so I think that's what appealed to her about it. And, you know, from what Jared told me, it's kind of similar. He was on a show, I think it's called Travelers on Netflix. And so for both of them, I think they wanted to do something a little bit more character driven, a little bit, you know, with a bit more emotional range or intensity. And yeah, you know, it was was wonderful working with both of them and with Sarah, you know, it really, or with both even, it, it was really kind of more the discussion leading up to the shoot, um, more so than rehearsal per se. But there was a lot of prep. Uh, there was a lot of talking and Sarah and I collaborating for months before really trying to nail the backstory. Because, you know, there's, you know, obviously the premise is that she's been gone, Dara's been gone for two years. And it was really important for both of us to know exactly what happened in those two years. What, not just why you leave, but literally, like, after two months, after nine months, after 17 months, you know, what that meant. So by the time we really came to set, we had a very clear sense of who these characters were and where they were coming from. Um, so there's definitely 
a lot of prep just building the backstory with with both those actors and and that's what's so interesting too about this because there is that mystery because you don't really know what happened you know you you, you don't mm-hmm. really um and i, I kind of like that because you kind of you leave it up to the viewer's imagination to kind of fill in the blanks to figure out why she made that decision to leave where did she really go i mean you know you allude to it um in some way but you know why and i mean i have my own theory is that she had um, postpartum depression and you know that's why she left mm-hmm. you know but that's my theory um but there could be others many others and um and certainly which i really liked how you waited until you know midway through a little bit later than you introduced the character of her mother um and i thought that was interesting mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about that relationship and and i mean obviously that relationship affected her and her relationship with her daughter you know it trickled down but do you want to talk a little bit about that and and what's the name of the actress that played her mother because she's very familiar and sheila sheila mccarthy okay yeah yeah i've seen her a number of things and she's always good yeah i mean and to your point definitely postpartum depression is something that you know uh our experiences and you're, and you're right it's not something that's said explicitly in the film and but to your point about the mother like to me all these things are absolutely intertwined and connected and the way in which her past and traumas from her past come to define her present all are, are wrapped up with what you know what illness she suffers from her anxiety her depression and and so the mother is you know right smack dab in the middle of the, the ghost of the character kind of looms over the narrative, even though we only see her when, you know, the film is virtually over. So, you know, it was really important to kind of just plant these breadcrumbs through the story about how the mother has defined Dara in her absence. And ultimately, you know, how the character over the course of the story learns to reckon with that and ultimately how she tries to overcome it. So, no, you're absolutely, I mean, the mother's absolutely at the center of the story, even though she as I said, you know, it really only appears at the very end. Right, right. And, and and just sort of even introduced as, you know, that she's still alive, you know, that we didn't, you know, we didn't even know that. So that's, you know, also fascinating. Mm-hmm. And also, let's talk about the, her relationship with her father, because that's also um, a, a very interesting, I, I love the act, again, what's the name of the actor who played her father? His name is Michael Riley. Michael Riley. He, he also is wonderful. I've seen him in other things, too. And so let's talk a bit about their relationship. Yeah, you know, what, what's at the center of their relationship is a lack of communication. And, you know, they, through Dara's younger years, you know, as a single parent, all they really had for many years was each other. And so they were very close. Yet there was much that went unspoken. What kind of defined their relationship is that this whole subject of the mother, uh, who's named Catherine in the story, is that it's taboo, is that they don't talk about what they really need to talk about in order to kind of face the demons and move forward, which again, I, you know, I think we all can relate to, um, that it's not always easy to talk about things that are, you know, that are dear to us or that we're sensitive to or that, you know, have, have scarred us in some way. And so that's really at the heart of Dara's relationship with her father is though he has the best of intentions and though he loves her dearly and, you know, would, would move mountains for her. Like all of us, there's certain things he can't do. And one of the things he can't do is talk about, you know, his ex-wife, he left them. And so that's really what kind of evolves over the course of the story is how are they able to communicate with each other? 
are, or even are they at all? And how does it evolve? And, you know, hopefully at the end of the story, they do reach some kind of higher plane, Darren and her father. Um, and that's, you know, that's what they're both striving for. Yeah. And yeah, really interesting. The, in the film, obviously the husband's moved on, uh, her husband and, um, did the father also move on to the relationship that he has? Did that come about after she had left or had that been already going on prior to her leaving? I wasn't quite clear about that. That had been already going on definitely prior to two years before. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's an older relationship. Okay. All right. And then the it did disturb me that her husband moved on so quickly. So let's talk about that because she's only been gone for mm-hmm, two sure. years and he's still married. And um, and yet he you know has this new relationship and this woman is seven months pregnant. And I'm sure that had to be a, a mm-hmm. huge shock for Dara when she returned, obviously. So talk a bit mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you choose that kind of scenario? For these characters, yeah, you, you know, all of these myriad factors. There's, there's a lot of balls that are being juggled in the air for the, in the story, and to me, it's like they all have to be just so. Otherwise, the whole thing kind of you know falls apart. And I, I guess, <clears throat> I mean, I think that the reasons why. I mean, we absolutely can question where Danny's coming from in his decision making. But what I try to make clear in the story is that Dara leaves without essentially a trace. I mean, they know that she's alive, but they don't really know that much more than that. And, you know, most importantly, perhaps, Danny doesn't know not only when, but if Dara's ever going to return. You know, that's because you're, you're absolutely right. Like if she said, you know, I'm checking into a facility, I'll be back in six months. Well, it's completely unforgivable behavior, and we would not be able to, to sympathize with him whatsoever. But because the way that the film is structured is that, yeah, we, Dara didn't know, and so she couldn't tell anyone else if and when she would be home. And so she went away for those two years to do the work, to be able to come back and be in that family, but without being able to tell, I mean, her father too, but especially Danny, her husband, without being able to tell him anything, how she's doing, when she'll be back, what the expectations can be. He falls into this other relationship and, you know, as the pregnancy wears on, they become much closer and they become committed and, you know, and then Dara reappears. So it's kind of, it's a perfect storm of a kind, but I I think, you know, forget about why it fits into the, the narrative as a plot device, I guess for me, one of the most important things that I was exploring in the film is I really wanted to respect each character's subjectivity. And, you know, for example, Therese, you know, sometimes when people watch the film, they they like the fact that, you know, she's not the new girl who's, you know, skeptical of Dara. You know, she's empathic and she's in a bind too. (laughs) She's pregnant. She wants to stay with this man. And so it was really important to me to yeah, to respect each character, and that includes Danny. And so in respecting him, the only way that that made sense was if we never, like, no one in the story, including Dara, for that matter, knew if and when she was coming back. And that's kind of the the world that I dropped the audience into at the beginning. Yeah, I do like how you wrote um, Teresa's uh, character. 
because she is. She's empathetic. She's, you know, there's no anger. There's not jealousy, you know, and, and that could have fallen into like the stereotypical roles because that's what we've seen. And yet there was, there was yeah, this exactly. empathy. And what I, and you, you know, obviously you still see the love between Dara and uh, Danny in this film uh, when she comes back. And, you know, of course she wants to restart everything up again, but that's going to be impossible because um, I don't know if he could trust her again, uh, but also he's fallen in love with someone else and he's having another child with someone else. So I, mm-hmm. I liked the way that this didn't get into melodrama. You know, the film didn't fall into that, which so easily could have become very cliche and melodramatic, but it didn't. And and, and I think that that's a, uh, a, a big credit to you as the writer and obviously the director, too. Let's talk a little bit about the young, um, the young actress who plays her daughter because she was amazing. Sure. Yeah, her name's uh, Margot Vaillancourt. Of course, you know we're up here in Montreal, so half the people on the movie are French and the other half are, are English. Uh, yeah, you know, again, having to do with kind of the story, the the whole thing is centered around that Dara's daughter doesn't remember her. And so if I would have cast a child who looks a bit older than that, I just didn't think you'd believe it. And so, you know, we, we spent a good deal of time casting and I looked at kids, you know, let's say from up till the age of almost eight. And then again, it's just kind of, it's just a different movie if, you know, and a, and a very different story and a different script if, if your child's a bit older. And so, you know, we saw a number of different kids and, you know, this is, it was just one of those things where Margot came in and, I mean, she was actually four years old at the time when we shot the movie, and mo- like much older kids would have trouble. It was the scene in the middle of the film uh, where you know she's visualizing and she's talking about wanting chocolate milk, um, and the four-year-old girl Margot comes in and just like knocks the scene out of the park, which was you know <laughs> quite a relief. Um, but you know, kidding aside, you know it's really it's very challenging working with an actress or an actor who's that young. Really, the way that the uh, you know when she's such a big role in the film and certainly the other actors were great about this. We all had to be, uh, we kind of had to manage our own role around what we needed to get from her. Uh, but you know, the thing that's so amazing with a child that's so young is there's just no pretense. There's no, you know, there's no bag of tricks. She's just natural a hundred percent of the time. And, and, you know, it was, you know, a marvel at times, and it was it was really great working with her. Well, you definitely feel it's very natural. I mean, you don't feel like she's acting, obviously, at all. And and uh, she was she she's absolutely wonderful. She's going to have a big career if she decides to stay in the industry. You know, <laughs> I know it's funny to talk about careers when people are like five years old, right? Yeah, you know, I think. She has- I think she works a lot. <laughs> That's well, you can see why. You know, probably not that many yeah. child actors, maybe, uh, up where you are. Are there a lot of child actors? Did you go through a lot when in, during the audition process? Well, my guess is, like anything else, the cream rises to the top. I mean, we certainly saw mm-hmm. a lot, and I think you know, there's, I'm sure, not as much as like in California or something like that. But no, there's you know, there's a whole industry, and especially on the French side. I mean, this is the second largest. French city in the world. So there's a huge industry here on the French side. On the English side, in Quebec, it's not huge, and it's certainly much, much, much larger uh, in Toronto and in Ontario. Um, but yeah, on the French side here, yeah, the booming, you know, 
vigorous industry. Uh, yes, that's great to hear. I know that I know Toronto is, uh, so and, and Vancouver, but I wasn't as um, sure as whether Montreal was too. Um, where where did you film this? Did you film it in Montreal? We actually filmed it in Northern Ontario. Uh, you know the way that movies get put together. There's myriad factors that um, that change the course of a production and. Yeah, for, for a number of different reasons. We shot the film in North Bay, Ontario, as I said, the summer of 2019. Very, very good. Lucky that you did that when you did. Who, who is, <laughs> um, are you working on something new now, uh, Jesse? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm developing a new script. Uh, and it's funny, I was mentioning Ghosts before. This is my first foray uh, into more genre territory. And, you know, I still, like, what makes me want to make films is, characters and you know it's the the moral quandaries that people battle with uh but that having been said i want to take all that that i've done in my films thus far up until now and i want to infuse that into something which is a little more genre territory a little bit more atmospheric and so my next film uh, centers around a ghost story oh interesting interesting now it's not is it going to be a horror flick or just more of a uh, supernatural film uh you know it's i'm I guess I would say somewhere in between, somewhere in between the two. You know, I, I, I'll kind of say again that, like, it's still going to very much be like a film of mine. So it's not like a straight horror or a straight psychological thriller, but I'm definitely kind of moving more in that direction and, and playing with those elements. But it's about, it's about a, an accidental death and uh, a haunting. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I know I get so many, um, there's so many horror films that are coming out. There just seems to be a glut. And I know that seems to be the, the genre that everybody's, uh, leaning towards nowadays is horror and supernatural. I guess there's obviously a lot of interest in that via, you know, so many of the television shows that are out there and the shows that are on, you know, the streaming services too. So people are mm-hmm. gravitating to that. As a director, um, who, who is, who inspires you? What director do you admire and whose work and, and how does that affect you as a director? Uh, you know, it's the industry changes so rapidly. And I mean, I'm up in Canada and that's, you know, an industry unto itself, which is different than the American, uh, film industry. But, you know, even like, it's very different from two years ago. The pandemic has irrevocably changed yes. the film industry let alone five years ago and 10 years ago. So it's, it's a, I, I find it a bit of a tricky question to answer. So I guess what I would say is, you know, up until now I've made films that are very family-centered. Um, and so one filmmaker that, you know, I admire a lot is a, a French filmmaker from a number of decades ago named Maurice Piella. Um, he has a number of movies I really love. La Fontenure is one. Um, but one of my favorite films, and certainly my favorite of his, is called Anno d'Amour. Um, and it came out in, I believe, the early 1980s. Uh, so he would be one, just there's a real intensity of emotion in his films that I find is, is quite unique, actually, and, and really powerful. Um, so he would be one that springs to mind, for sure. Uh, again, yeah, I mean, uh, to your point before, uh, you know, my interest in genre uh, kind of comes out of more the story than any kind of trends that are going on right now. And what I mean by that is, I don't, the, like, the the genesis of the idea for my new film was always this, this accidental death and this haunting. So I'm not exactly sure where it will fit on kind of the spectrum of, of genre films right now. But yeah, certainly vis-a-vis what I've made up until now, which have been straight dramas, it's definitely more in, 
in genre territory. Well, we will look forward to it when it comes out. Let uh, Jesse, where can people Thanks. find Like a House on Fire? Where can they watch this film? Yeah, it's available now in the United States on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo. Um, and it's also available in the UK, uh, English-speaking countries, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo. And then in Canada, it's available on iTunes and then some other streaming providers. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesse. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and I wish you much success with your film. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you. You can listen to The Jam Price Show whenever, wherever at thejampriceshow.com and on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. 